Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... Mm -hmm. We present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to yet another special edition of the Purple Podcast. It's kind of like a very special blossom uh, back when that show was on in the 90s when there are many important things to talk about, and we are here once again to... A break from our normal routine to talk about a topic that has certainly picked up quite a bit of steam since the Vikings' 38-25 to loss to the Green Bay Packers on Saturday at Lambeau Field. I'm Ben Gessling from ESPN, joined as always by Matthew Collar from 1500 ESPN, and joined by Judd Zolgad, who I think is technically on vacation, but was so enamored of this topic today that he, A, came out to Winter Park to hear Mike Zimmer's press conference, and B, is joining us to give us his Boxing Day Sports Grinch post-Christmas opinions on this. Gentlemen, how are we, how are we doing today? On, on the Blossom theme, all i got to say is this. Whoa! What's going on at Winter Park? little joy for you. Yeah. This was, uh, boys, you know what? Mike Zimmer, in my estimation today, had two choices. One was to go up to the podium and say, listen, we had we had a guy go a bit rogue on, on Saturday. I'm not pleased about it. It's been handled... It, internally and we're going to go on from here and I'm not going to talk a lot about this or he could get up there and at the age of what 61 or so 60 I believe 60 start dancing and dancing and dancing and and creating so many half truths that by the time we left we said what the hell and he chose option two instead of one I think one while one would have certainly caused us to question things I think option two causes us to say huh because there were a lot of things that Mike Zimmer said in trying to spin his truth, Matthew, that I became confused at, and that I think he actually now leaves more questions that, than he would have if he had just kept on the, on Saturday I was being truthful, I probably said too much, but I am going to leave it at that as opposed to all of the spinning he did today. This reminds me of when I used to uh, sneak cookies out of the cookie jar when I wasn't supposed to before dinner, and then it was, uh, you know, where did all the cookies go? Well, I mean, uh, the dog must have eaten them. Well, the dog was outside, but, you know, the, those uh, types of things, right? I mean, that that's kind of how this had a feel to it of just why not just come straight out 
to us and just say, look, there was a disagreement over how we were going to handle that, and this stuff happens all the time. When I was in Buffalo last year, Rex Ryan told the media that during his time with the Baltimore Ravens that occasionally Ray Lewis and Ed Reed would change play calls out on the field. Right. And he, they would come over to the sideline and he would say, well, that wasn't the play call. And they'd say, we know, right, but we're Ed Reed and Ray Lewis and, you know, we just decided that we saw something different out there so we wanted to do something different. And I'm sure that that didn't go over perfectly all the time. It does happen in the NFL. Making it public was very surprising and kind of bizarre for, for Mike Zimmer to do that. Everybody would have been angry after the game, including Xavier Rhodes, for how Jordy Nelson lit them up like a Christmas tree. Uh, but why not just say, yeah, this, this stuff happens more than you guys think, and you guys are making a big deal out of it, but we're over it. We hashed it out on the plane ride home. We're good to go. I respect everybody. They respect me. No problem. Then we would have sort of said, oh, all right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's sort of what Terrence Newman more or less tried to say today, although the problem, again, is that there were so many gymnastics, in large part by what Mike Zimmer said today, to say, well, you know, this isn't a big deal, and it was something I needed to be more specific after 23 years of coaching defensive backs at some level or another in the NFL with names including Deion Sanders, Darren Woodson, Terrence Newman, Adam Jones – Xavier Rhodes, and I'm sure I'm missing some other prominent ones. Uh, or you have that, or, well, Xavier got nervous, and I don't think he meant what he said, even though Rhodes was going to not talk about it, and then changed his mind very calmly and said, no, I am going to talk about it after the game on Saturday. So uh, doing all of that, to me, makes this seem like a bigger deal than it needed to, needs to be. It certainly communicates this is a big deal, and we had to go into sort of not panic mode, but we had to get everybody together and make sure we had our story straight. So, I mean, honesty is always the best defense. I mean, that's that's what they tell you in journalism school. In a libel suit, honesty is always your best defense against libel. And, uh, the, I mean, that part of it is, is kind of interesting here as well. I mean, one point on the side of this to sort of quash this, and we've seen this narrative that, well, this is why Jordan Nelson burned them on Saturday. Let's be very clear. There are people peddling that that may not have covered that game. All three of us did in one capacity or another. That was not why Jordy Nelson burned them. Jordy Nelson burned them mostly when he was playing in the slot, when either Captain Munnerlinen was on him or they were playing some kind of zone coverage. They did not get torched by Jordy Nelson because of this. It speaks more to what's going on internally and how are the dynamics being handled with the defense after a season that's kind of gone off the rails here. And in terms of covering things up, uh, the way that they did with this story of Xavier Rhodes getting nervous <laughs> to tell, to talk about it, which is just not really believable at all. Um, it really speaks to what's potentially behind it, which is uh, what we talked about a little bit in the last episode of the Purple Podcast, but it came right to mind when I saw this story on Saturday, which is the players were not happy with the scheme against the Colts. They were frustrated by the fact that the Colts lit them up with the three tight end sets, that Munderland wasn't on the field, and that there has been many times this year that Mike Zimmer has said things about players that eventually could build up to when your team is falling off the side of the earth that you would be frustrated by. And Very, it, very interesting today, by the way, that when he gets asked about Aaron Kendricks, he says, I thought Anthony Barr played really well. <laughs> yes, yes, just after saying that Barr was coasting yes. for most of the season yes. last week, that now his message uh, decides to be different about Anthony Barr. 
But if there was nothing behind it other than a game day disagreement, I think they're honest about it. The thing that strikes me is twofold. One is within the context of trying to spin and cover up and to a certain degree lie today, Mike Zimmer essentially said one of the problems was, now I realized last week, I probably didn't communicate to my cornerbacks the game plan correctly. Okay, think about that, folks. Mike Zimmer is known as a cornerback whisperer. His yes. area, the reason the the reason why he's here is defense. The and, reason Trey Wayne's didn't yes. play for a year is he went through the Mike, Mike Zimmer so Mike, School of So Mike Zimmer, Mike Zimmer, in order to protect what he feels is his reputation as a well-respected coach, is throwing himself under the bus by saying, I didn't do a good job. I would not believe in a million years that Mike Zimmer didn't communicate exactly what he thought to both Rhodes and Terrence. So I don't buy that for one second. And the, uh, the other thing to me that's so important here is – the reason why I take this and don't just say, oh, it happens, it's no big deal, is because we are again talking about an area of the ball and a specifically positions where Mike Zimmer is known as the guy. The fact that Newman has been with him forever and dismissed him to me is incredibly important. And, and what has to go on across the street here with the Vikings, and the most important thing above and beyond us, the players on the 2016 team, is very simple. There are a lot of things that have happened this year that Mike Zimmer can't control. Guys have gotten hurt. Things have happened. It's been a weird year. But there are any number of things that he can learn from. And when he gets up there today and spins things, I look at him and I say, have you learned from this or are you deflecting this? And among those things are you called your team soft after one loss. They, they were 5-1, and one and he went nuclear. I mean, soft is akin to saying you guys don't care. Uh, he's called out individual players, which 10 to 15 years ago worked great. I'm not sure that's the right approach now. And now he's got guys. Like we talked about Sunday it's, or yeah. Saturday. It's those darn millennials. And he's got, yeah, and he's got guys. And now he's got guys at the position at which he's the expert redoing his game plan at times. So my, so my question at the heart of this is how much is Zimmer learning and evolving as a coach? Because if he's going to be stuck in his ways and say, no, I was still right. His, his shelf life here could be very, very short, and, and I'll be surprised by that. But we're going down a path now that I never expected, uh, you know, 10 weeks ago that we'd be anywhere close to. I think we saw some evidence that he is not really taking it that seriously at the end of the press conference when he said, sorry, I was uh, too honest with you guys. I guess I'll stop doing that in the future. Just, like, laughing in the face of the entire thing. Well, by the way, the building of your season burned to the ground, losing eight out of the last ten games, and you're still taking the time at the end of the press conference to jab at the media about it when, come on, I mean, it's so clear by putting together the pieces what actually happened here. Yeah. And you're still arrogant enough to say something like that. That really blew me away. Well, two points come to mind here, and these are sort of stream of consciousness things. As I, I, it seems to be the mode I'm in today, so I'll just go with it. But on that point, number one, I don't know that he's going to do that. He, I mean, he could talk about, I want to be less, I'm going to be less honest with you guys because this stuff blows up, and, and whatever measure of culpability he was trying to put on the media for quoting him honestly and quoting Rhodes honestly on the record with no sourcing done with anonymous sources whatsoever. We can debate that. I would disagree pretty strongly that anybody did anything other than cover the story here. But I don't think he's going to be less honest because I do think that one of the things he has used as a motivational tool here is sending messages to players through his public comments. We see him do this all the time. And I think in large part that has worked. But I think at times 
when his emotions get high, he says things that he probably wishes he hadn't said. So maybe he'll is be that a, smart though, saying things he wishes he hadn't said. Yeah, because no, I no, of I understand not. he's trying. But my, I'm not saying honesty is the issue. Right. I'm saying maybe. But he's taken the Parcells path circa 1995, which sure. very well could work. And he is now trying it in 2016. And I think what he needs to do in the off season, guys, is sit down and say, "Is my tact working?" Because if guys say bleep you, hey, we're soft, that's fine. Watch this for soft. I mean, something. <laughs> yeah. so, by the time I'm telling you, the Colts game wasn't just a bad day. I, it, I go yeah. back to that game. Yeah. Something happened in that Colts game where you saw a team that almost always seemed to be engaged become disengaged, and the question becomes why, and it's on the head coach to sit down and say, what happened here that caused my players to, even when they weren't playing well, to go from, from looking like they gave a damn to, as Collar points out, getting frustrated with game plans. There's something morphing here at work, and it's really been in the last two games that we've seen troubling signs, and this is the beginning of how coaches lose jobs. The question is, can he stop it? Well, and the other thing here, too, is that when you're talking about Terrence Newman, I mean, you're, he was trying to, today, I think, say this was a scheme thing. I didn't communicate what I wanted. Terrence Newman has played nine of his 14 seasons in the NFL for Mike Zimmer. Terrence Newman was a rookie when Mike Zimmer was in Dallas. Terrence Newman has faced Jordy Nelson before in a Mike Zimmer defense in 2013, I believe it was, in Cincinnati when they played the, when they played the Packers that year. They shut Aaron Rodgers down in that game. Terrence Newman was on that team. I'm going back to probably 2009, Nelson would have been on that team. Probably wasn't as big of a factor yet. But Newman has played enough in Zimmer's defense to probably know every rule, every intricacy. Zimmer has said before that Newman basically knows that defense as well as a coach would. I don't really buy the idea that he threw something in there that, okay, we have some different rule that I wasn't communicating enough and that this was a miscommunication. I, I think this is more on issues of relating to players and that stuff I, I see why he's trying to pivot it back to scheme because you can fix scheme the way that you're relating to players if in fact that is the issue here and everything we saw on Saturday would speak more to that that is a bigger concern well it doesn't it just doesn't add up because Xavier Rhodes said we planned it all week yes. <laughs> and then yes. and then he's saying oh yeah just on game day there was just uh, some confusion and Terrence <laughs> didn't understand like yeah okay I'm pretty sure Terrence Newman understands just about everything, uh, like like you're saying there. Well, and the thing, too, is, I mean, Rhodes said it was planned during the week. And, you know, the, the comments were sort of recast in a couple of conversations I had in the locker room today. Yeah, he was trying not to throw people under the bus. He was trying to be a good teammate. I think that refers more to it was our idea yes, than yes. it was during the week. I think the during the week part is true. I think the it was our idea is maybe him trying to deflect a little bit of the blame or, or take a little bit of it for himself. Well, this is the problem, though, is that we are sort of left having to do this and parse comments. And I, the, the thing that, I guess, my lesson for them in all of this, if, if anybody cares what I think, and I don't expect that they do, but... I do. Well, I appreciate that. But if anybody who's in power with the Vikings, <laughs> on the 1% chance they care what I think, which they probably don't, and there's not really any good reason they should, but I'm going to say it anyway... Being honest, I always think, is a better approach. And, yes, some of these issues in in the NFL in 2016, because of the echo chamber, because of how much everything gets covered, do blow up into a bigger deal. But if you are competent in what you're doing, I think you can be honest and say, yep, this is what happened. We had a disagreement about it, like we're saying. 
you never have to sit there and make up three or four other if, lies if you tell the truth in the first place. If you're going to open the door, which they did Saturday. Yeah, that's listen, true. listen. If you're smart, too. you don't go down this path, and and this conversation's not being had. And maybe somebody on tape sees something weird, but it can't be verified at that point. If you're going to open the door that was opened not by Rhodes, by the way, that was opened by the head coach. At that point in time, yeah. the question becomes: Okay, you open the door, control it now. So you want her to go Belichick? I want her to go Dungy. But I'm, but I'm just saying, if you're going to go down the path, if you're going to go down the path that Zimmer went down on Saturday, then don't come back on Tuesday and just blatantly try and say, "Ah, oh, you, you guys are doing this or that." I mean, everyone was on the record. This was yes. nobody off the record. Yes. That, that's what's that's what's disturbing about this because I've seen this play before and it doesn't end well unless you know what you're doing. You didn't see what you think you saw and that you have a, <laughs> yeah. a, a record of you saying you saw. It's you know, don't worry about it. Hey guys, it's Phil Mackey from 1500 ESPN and one of the hosts of Sports Over Beers, the original 1500ESPN.com podcast, where you find your favorite 1500 ESPN personalities drinking beer. And talking sports, pretty simple. Find it on iTunes, Podcast One, and 1500ESPN.com. The way that I've been thinking of it also is when it comes to uh, Zimmer and his message in the locker room, the only reason that Xavier would have blown his top, being a quiet guy as he is a lot of the time, is if it's been building as part of the conversation between everyone inside the room. Or if I, he thinks that... Zimmer saying what he said on but, Saturday but, was a shot at him. But, right, but that's just it, though. If it was the first time ever that Zimmer had taken a shot at him or anybody else, it might have been like, uh, wow, that's surprising. But instead, it seemed to put him over the edge of, all right, I'm saying something because he's been doing this to us all year. And I think hmm. that, that hard-ass thing that you guys are talking about, that I'm going to throw players under the bus, I'm going to be Parcells, all that stuff, when you have the rings on your finger... And you can go, hey, Rings, look, I'm a Super Bowl winner. I, I'm not going anywhere, guys. I think as a player, you, you have to kind of just keep it shut a lot of the time. If it's Belichick and he does the, those things to you, if he calls you out, then it's, hey, I've won Super Bowls. It's part of what I do. When you haven't, and I'm not saying that Zimmer does not have a great career as a defensive coordinator and so forth, but when you have no playoff wins, thanks, Blair Walsh, then it's a lot harder to say a guy is coasting who is a superstar player or has been in the past and then have everyone be fine with it. I just think that the message rings a little more hollow when you don't have the wins to back it up. Here's my only problem with that. We argue a lot in this business, in the business that we're in, why people should be honest, why people should be revealing, because this is a game, because fans are so invested in it that they want to know what's going on. I think it becomes a bit hypocritical at times when we are then the ones saying, oh, you, you created a lot of trouble for yourselves being honest. That said, this is an issue that arose because of Mike Zimmer being honest after right. a game. My question is then, what's the better way forward? How, how do people talk about what's going on in this day and age in a way that has some level of honesty and some level of forthrightness without creating firestorms. I think I have an answer for that. I think he gave it to us with J. Ron Curse last week. Yes, seventh-round pick J. Ron Curse. We asked him about some of the young players, and he said, 
You know what? I think Jaron Curse could be a good player. He's a little he's a little stiff right now, but I like where his potential goes. I'm not saying you have to pat everyone on the back all the time, but he said Laquan Treadwell. I still have hope for Treadwell. He gets in and out of routes well, from what I've seen. Sure. Like it's a football analysis that is straightforward. It's an honest answer. It's something that gives us a little insight. Okay, all right. So he believes it's. I think it was an honest answer. I like looking at the one catch Laquan made. Got in and out of his route pretty well. Maybe that's a thing he can do. That's a thing that fans could say, all right, well, they're still believing in him because of this route running. Going over the top where he has at times, and I look at Sharif Floyd as the best example. There is just no reason to, to jab at Sharif Floyd over not coming back for any injury. Things like that, I mean, yes, I get what you're saying. I want as much honesty as possible, too, to convey the messages and to right. analyze the team. But when you just take a pot shot at a guy yeah. for a knee injury as a player, or when you just say, yeah, he's coasting, as a player, I'd be like, that's that's too far. Mike Zimmer, Mike Zimmer needs somebody in that building who's not a yes man to sit him down yes. and say, Mike, here's what we're doing for a week. I don't give a crap. In May, we're clearing your schedule for a week. And we're going to sit you down for media training. And within that training, we are going to bring in people off the record. We're going to go through the 2016 season with you and address all of your comments, some of which were smart, some of which were dumb, and some of which were stupid. And you're going to start with, with Bridgewater in Seattle. His over-the-top reaction to Bridgewater's arm issue or shoulder problem in Seattle was a waste of everyone's time, including his. And the fact that he got mad about that, all you have to do is get up there and say, it's preseason, preseason guys. Bridgewater's shoulder's a little bit sore, some fatigue, he's been throwing a lot, and therefore he didn't play. Instead, he makes it into this huge, unnecessary story, and it was completely stupid and ill-timed. And then They and, tried to tell him that. Yeah, but, and, but, then here, but then here's the worst part. When Bridgewater's leg snaps like a twig, and so it's crisis time, somebody from above Zimmer got in charge and said, here's what we're doing that day, and they handled it magnificently. Yes. So what they, what they need is... And they should be credited they need that. They should be, but what they need is either a PR person or a vice president or, or an outside person. Childress was so bad that they finally began to bring outside people in and say, here's how you handle things, because you don't know what you're doing, and you're hurting yourself and the team. But what you don't do is you don't unnecessarily rip on players because that's fun for us, but it's stupid. Yeah. You don't you don't get up there in, in your post game comments and start giving out information that we wouldn't have realized for the most part. Sure. And if somebody gets hurt, you give as much information as you possibly can without compromising your team. Mike Zimmer doesn't seem to have any real clue. It's it's as if he went from defensive coordinator to head coach and he never took any notes. And he's never got a media consultant. So many of these things are fixable within one week's time. But you know what he has to do? He has to be quiet. It can't be his way. And he has to listen. And right now, just like today, it's like he didn't get any advice. He said, here's what we're going to do. It's old school mentality. It's dumb. It's 2016. Get with the times and you make your life easier. I mean, you know what it comes down to? The whole way that the uh, stuffed dolls he got that got lopped off at the heads, he made that <laughs> so much more than that should have yep. been. That should have been, uh, I'm disappointed it got out. Here's what happened. Hell, if you're smart, you laugh about it and say, I'm making a donation here because I didn't do it, but I can see how it got translated, you know, mixed up in, in being written by the Star Tribune at the time, and it's done. If you laugh at it, it's done. Instead, I was told a month after he was still ticked off. 
That's yeah, a waste of his there's time. There's no question he was sold. He's got only so. He's a head coach. He needs to be processing being a good head coach, not being worried about Facebook write-ups that his daughters are seeing about animals that got their heads lopped off that were stuffed. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, and they it, weren't real and, animals. But, it, but but this could be fixed within a week. Yeah, stuffed animals. Um, and and I think part of this, it, it all speaks to, like, if you're if you're a head coach, you have so many things that you have to deal with, so many hours that you have to spend on this to be good at it, so forth. And if you're spending this much time upsetting yourself, getting angry over this, plus dealing with your own health problem with an yeah. eye issue as well, good all point. at the same time, this is driving you nuts. Don't coaches talk about distractions all the time? I mean, it's distractions, man, distractions. You know, we're trying to keep those distractions out there. And yet, lopping the heads off of stuffed animals became a month-long distraction. Yeah. It, it may be, I mean, it's just, if you're this a head coach. This has become a distraction. This has become a huge in, distraction. In the way that the NFL talks about distractions, in that they are the worst thing in the world, that you get reporters asking questions about things that aren't related to X's and O's. I guess this is, in, in a lot of ways, but there's another element to it. This has become a distraction. Yeah, and... If that's the worst thing, is distractions. Well, you're creating them. I reject that premise a little bit. But oh, I do to too. Use their I'd... logic, yeah. But, but this it can't is a be. But it can't be healthy, and it can't be good for you, and it can't be good for your team when you're spending such a big percentage of your time upset about some of these things that just aren't that big of a deal. This isn't that big of a deal necessarily if you just say. Well, we had a disagreement over how Jordy Nelson should be covered. We did a really bad job on Jordy Nelson, so the next time we play him, we're going to make a much better effort to be on the same page. Period. End of sentence. Then what are we saying today? We're saying, well, okay, and by the way, this stuff happens. You got, you've got one game left. Guess what? Terrence Newman walks away very quietly, yep. and it's over, right? Yep. Like, if you had addressed this today, it's not like he's probably coming back. So if you had addressed this today, said, yes, we had a player who did, did his own thing, I don't approve, it's been addressed, <coughs> you've got four more quarters with that guy, and it's over. And also, by the way, Xavier Rhodes, to me, is one of the best defensive players in the NFL. You want to make sure you clear that up. And he yeah. didn't. He did not yeah. clear that up. Yeah. I would want to make sure that Xavier no, Rhodes. Called him out again. It, said he is speaking public. Xavier Rhodes, he who's going to go into a contract negotiation here pretty shortly. I would want to make sure right. because here's here's my theory for life on head coaches and players. If there's a battle between a head coach and a player, and the player is that good, player wins. They'll find Every another time. coach. Well, and that's that's a lot of this too. I, I think that. We all know that being a head coach in the NFL, at least from what we see from the outside, as they always like to say, we're not really that far outside of it. We're here every day. but We do have to cross the street to get over That is true. We are outside the building in a physical sense, but we, <laughs> they, they do let us inside of the building at times. There is an element to being an, an NFL head coach in the modern world that is very much like being the CEO of a company. You do not mm -hmm. just get to – immerse yourself in financial statements and inventories and all of this other stuff you have to plan 30,000 foot level strategy you have to be presidential in some ways where you have the forward-facing part of your job that you can communicate to the public without compromising the things that you don't want the public to know about and we all understand that there are going to be parts of this job that they don't want the public to know about they don't want other teams to know about they don't want to have to create unnecessary stories at times but they also have a public part of this job that part of it i think remains three years into it where mike zimmer has the most room to grow and mm -hmm. i think he would have al always said that that was going to be the part that 
he had the most to learn. But there is a little bit of an approach of, I just want to coach my team. I don't want to deal with the other stuff. Okay, I get that. I understand that there's parts of this that you don't necessarily want to deal with. But that CEO part of this job is inextricably part of it in 2016. Why you get millions and millions. Absolutely. Because you can go be a coordinator. Yeah. Go coach. Defensive coordinator, coach. That's all they do. You can say that it's not there, but it is there. And the sooner you come to grips with that and the sooner that you try to get good at that part of it, the better. Because that is not going away. That is part of the job, and that is part of the reason you get paid so much. I think we're done. I think we've pontificated yes, long sir. enough about about Cornergate. Cornergate, we can we can put it to bed. We we've done our emergency edition. I think we've devoted most of two podcasts. You know today's we? today's lesson, boys, is very simple to me. The cover two still sucks <laughs> as a scheme, and when you're covering for two players, the cover two oh. defense doesn't work. Well, on that note, we will uh, we'll wrap it up here. Matthew and I will be back on Wednesday to talk about the the big bad bears. We will be talking about the big, bad list of bad Bears quarterbacks. Including Barkley. Including Barkley. This is a very alliterative uh, uh, barrage, to use another B, to wrap up this podcast. We will talk to you Wednesday. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Stay tuned for 60-second AP News headlines. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.